0: Hey guys, real quick before we get started, since the podcast has gotten going in February, the numbers on the charts of downloads and subscribers has got nothing but up. So I just wanted to thank all of you for that genuinely. Um, that being said, I want it to continue to grow and reach more people. So if you haven't subscribed, um, if you haven't you know, liked it, taken a screenshot of you listening to it, post it on your social media text it to friends, whatever you guys do to share it and spread the message, I'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, We want to continue to grow this podcast, grow this community, and spread the message all around. Uh, Today's episode, it's going to be a special one. Get out your pens and papers, take some notes on it. If you're out there and you are worried or concerned about how to market your practice, this is the episode for you. So we have our marketing director, Hannah Matheson, on here, and I pin her down to start giving us some very, very specific and tactical advice on absolutely what are the things you should be doing in your practice, what are the things you should be avoiding, and everything in between. So Hannah's experience is quite unique. And if I've learned anything over the years, it's that you have to draw on other people's vast array of experiences, and most importantly, do the things and avoid the things that other people have screwed up. Hannah's been with us for over three years now. And since we have an agency and a consulting business, not only has she watched our businesses grow from zero all the way to we'll be over a million this year, but now she has over a dozen clients that she does personal consulting with. And so she's seen businesses that have ranged from just getting started all the way up to 2 million. She's worked with businesses that have been acquired. She wor- She's worked with businesses that have been sold. She's worked with companies that have been strong in digital marketing, ones that have had no. With digital marketing and everything, like I said, in between. And so um, the experience that she has is drawn from such a wide array that if you don't pick up a few things from it, you're just not listening. And as I said, and I'll say it again, if you can learn anything, it's that draw from the experience of people that have seen it before. So she's got the experience of, a 40, of someone in the industry, probably about 40 years that she learned in three or four, just from the volume of people that she spent time with, the amount of studying that she's done. The next thing to pay attention to is about growing a team. So this is our second staff interview. Hannah started with us right out of college and had never been in the marketing business before. She did not come with a skill set in marketing. She came with a skill set. She was a very good writer. She was very smart. She had a lot of leadership qualities, which we speak about, uh, but she had never been in marketing. And just like we develop clinical staff, I believe in developing the whole team. And Hannah is an unbelievable example of that. And so, like I said, when she stepped in the doors three and a half years ago, she knew nothing about marketing. And so when you listen to her speak today in this podcast, remember that. Because you can do the same thing, but you got to invest in people. If you want to grow a big team, if you want to grow a business, you've got to invest in the people. So Hannah's someone that, you know, we invested in and she invested in herself. We put the time in, she put the time in herself and you see what the results have been. And I always say to her, and I'll always say to you guys, if this is what three years looks like, imagine if she just does this over the next 10, how far advanced will will she be? It's going to be fun to watch. It's absolutely going to be amazing to watch. Um, So pens and paper out. There's going to be some really good tactical, practical marketing advice for you to take and at a higher level so you can see how we've done developing people. I'm so proud of her. Um, I'm so happy that she's a part of our team. And if you need a marketing manager, don't steal her. She's ours. Um, But if you need help finding one, I'll help you find someone like her. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll talk to you soon. What's up, everyone? All right, Hannah, you are episode two of our interview, the staff. We had great reviews from Lauren and I think you guys are having a competition. We'll see who gets more downloads. Um, I'm going to give, I'm going to, we'll see. I'm not going to say it yet. I might have a prize for the winner between the whole staff who gets the most downloads. So we'll see, we'll see who wins that. Here's where I want to start though. I want to start, you are a marketing director and have a lot of different roles. We could talk through that, but just to kind of let the audience know why we're doing this as our mastermind members grow their business and their team. Um, We have a way that we do it, have admins, we have marketing assistants, um, we hire associates, we have salespeople. So we have a lot of different aspects of the business, which, you know, coming into it as a rehab chiropractor, I never knew any of these things existed. And as I tell people about growing their own business, now I want to show who we have, that you are a real human and that you do exist and how to grow someone into a role. And so what I want to do first, though, is I want to go back because one of the hiring advice, pieces of advice that I got early on was hire athletes. And if you can hire an athlete, hire a college athlete. And if you can find a hire, a college athlete, hire a team captain of their college team, which is exactly what you've done and who you are. So it checked all the boxes. So before we go into the marketing side because I think this is relevant, talk about your background as an athlete and then I'll sort of tie it back.
1: Yeah, um, I mean basically I swam my whole life and it's it's interesting because now that I'm 5 or 6 years removed from, you know, competitively swimming, I think about what who I was when that's just what I did and that was literally all I was. Like my only identity was being a swimmer. And swimming, uh, I swam, obviously, from the time I was like a kid, like five or six up and, you know, through high school, through college. And that was my whole identity. That was it.
0: And for me, though, there was an aspect of it that was most attractive when we were hiring. It was that you transferred colleges and then in a mm-hmm. year became the team captain. And the reason why I bring that up is because you'll always hear me say when interviewing, don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you've already done. And so, if I'm looking for somebody from an employee who has displayed leadership characteristics, which now you've done in our business, it's not surprising to me because you've done that already. And so, was that always something for you that you were, always looked at yourself as someone that could be a leader?
1: Yeah, that's also interesting because I remember in high school, I did kind of feel that way. I, I, I was team captain of my high school team. I was just felt like I was always somebody. That was in that type of position on both of my high school teams, my club and my high school. And then when I got to college and I started at Penn State, that's always who I was. And immediately I just lost that. And that was really the first time in my life where I didn't feel that way. And I kind of felt like a number. I didn't have an identity. I was just going through the motions and it was rough. And I went through that for two years until I realized that I was either making a change or I was quitting. And I wasn't, I'm not really somebody that quits things. So, that's when I looked to transfer. And when I found the team and the program and my coach at the university of Richmond, I was just so happy. And I was really just grateful to be there. And I had a whole nother outlook on the sport and my, my place there. And I, I respected what I had and what I'd been through. So I didn't, I never really was like, I want to get back into being a leader. It wasn't like that. It was just I'm so grateful to be here. Let's just go. Like, let's just do this. And I remember the moment in my junior year when I was talking to my coach and he was like, you might be in a position of leadership next year. And I was like, oh shit, really? Like how? Like I was so shocked. And he was like, and I, well, basically I was like, well, what do I have to do now? Oh my gosh. And he was like, just do what you're doing. You just lead by example. That's it. And I was like, okay. So I I didn't do anything differently. I'll never forget getting that email that was like, Hannah Matheson, our team captain next year. I was like, wow, like, I really can't believe that happened. And it was a vote from the, the athletes, the, my team members and the coaches. So I think that was just a really interesting thing to have gone through. Because when I felt like I showed the most leadership in my career, I, I had no idea it was happening.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's great. And and again, we're we're here uh, on purpose, which I know we're talking marketing very quickly, but I think it's important because we're talking hiring, talking people. And I think one of the things in our profession, but especially as rehab chiropractors, that we are very devoid of is building teams and growing people. And if we do grow people, it's only clinicians. And so you, out of anyone that's been with us, has grown more than anyone, which is where I want to go back to. You know, when you started with us, you were a college grad, had a master's degree, but had never seen a Google ad, and never done really any marketing. But again, if I look back to what was the things that I, that I thought was good, well, there was two. The first one was the leadership that we just talked about, but the second one was your ability to write. Because when we do our applications, which we talk about in our mastermind, there is a writing component before you ever get in the door. And so we have leadership capabilities. We knew that you would like do the right activities because you sent them in on time. We followed the instructions and you were the best writer out of the whatever applications that we had. Um, That being said, we hired you to be a marketing assistant and you didn't know how to market anything from anything. So for our audience, go back because I know every single one would be lucky to have someone like you, but other than the fact that you were moving back here to New Jersey and you found a job that was willing to hire you, what was it that was interesting um, that might be good for the audience of rehab Kairos potentially looking to hire a marketing assistant at some point?
1: Right. I thought you were going to call me out on my really awkward six month marketing plan presentation that I had to do for you.
0: Listen, (laughs) uh, the bottom line with that was you, you, again, it's like, the, bo- the reality of that was we just wanted to see what you would come up with. I think yep. you wanted us to go and market the college athletes. I think I did. But it's, it was completely irrelevant, right? Mm. Again, it was more about the idea of putting something together than it was that I was not going to hire you because you didn't have the right plan. It would be ridiculous for me to ask you to come up with a plan because you don't know anything at that point. And it isn't an insult. It's the freaking truth. And so um, the idea was, again, will she actually go through the, the and do it?
1: Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, back to the question at that point, you know, the master's degree that I did was involved in sports. And that's all I really knew at the time. And all I, I knew that I liked being around that field. And then once I was in that degree, in that master's degree, I realized, okay, well, maybe it's not like sports that I love. Like, like, I enjoy watching a good football game, but I'm not really like that type of person. So I just wanted to do something that I felt a connection with and felt like passionate about. And when I found the job posting for strive to move, it was like, interesting, you know, rehab wellness, that whole idea of just helping people get back to doing the things they love. That was, that was interesting. Just the idea, because I was kind of getting to the point where I was like, I don't need to be in a college athletic department. That might not be the place for me, but just that whole vibe, that whole idea that we're going to be helping people do active things and be active. And at that point in my life, I'm, I'm not a competitive athlete anymore. I like to go to the gym. I like to stay active. And I felt like I resonated with the, the core values, truly.
0: Good. And so when you get hired, again, teach the audience. Uh, someone calls me tomorrow and said, you, you had a marketing assistant on. I think I need some help. And I'm going to hire a marketing assistant. What the heck did the, a marketing assistant, what do they actually do? So what did you do when you were a marketing
1: assistant? I just did stuff. I did tasks at the most basic level. So, give, give us
0: an example. Give us yeah. three tasks that you did.
1: Well, the first task I think I had was to set up the podcast for the clinical practice. Um, didn't know how to do that. So, I just figured it out. That was step one. I think step two was sending out broadcast emails. I, I had to quickly learn our CRM system and just how to use it. So, I just had to make sure that the emails went out on certain days. Uh, and then, probably, social was next getting posts up on social. Not too much strategy. It was just, making sure that something was done by a certain date. Yeah. And that, it, and that was it, it.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. And so people ask all the time, you know, what should they do in marketing? And you, I, I want to do marketing. What do I do? Um, if you're not doing anything right first, we have to do something. And so for me being a solo practitioner with Lauren who was an admin, who wasn't involved too much in marketing in the beginning, the only thing that I wanted was just more volume of, of stuff. And so if it was, I was sending one email out a week, could we send out three? I really didn't care what they said. I just wanted to start to build the idea that that was what we were going to do. Can we set up a podcast and produce it ourselves? Well, first of all, it gives me a, an idea to see if you can actually learn how to teach yourself to do something, which you did. And then from there, we used it as a, a networking thing locally. So that was a positive. And then three, it was social, right? Do we just get posts out? Do we record videos? And do we put more a more volume of content out than we had previously done? And as I always say, the difference between your last role and this role, marketing assistant versus marketing director, marketing assistant, your job is just to get the tasks done. Like the KPI was making sure that it was done on time when it was supposed to be done. And obviously we'll talk marketing manager now where you're responsible for outcomes. But as you said, the first step was just to make sure that you, if we said Friday was the deadline, that, that it got done by Friday. Um,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: And so that was where we started, started with that. Now. The next part of the conversation is there was a there was a moment or many moments along the way where we slowly progressed you from just making sure tasks got done as a marketing assistant, but then creating this managerial position where you sort of ran the department. And in your explanation, what is the difference between an assistant and actually managing the department?
1: To keep it short, you know, it was not being responsible for an outcome versus being responsible for an outcome. You know, if things that go weren't going well in marketing at that point, it was really would be you that we were looking at because you were, you were ex- or creating the plan you were strategizing. But that was the switch that when things, you know, if leads were low and events weren't on the schedule, that was, that was now on me.
0: Mm-hmm. Good. So, so marketing assistant versus marketing manager and director. And then the next part of this, you know, as I've sort of learned and grew, um, and I've told you this before, you know, my job as a leader now, I think, in the business, is to continually grow the business so that people like you continue to have opportunities. Because the reality of our situation is, if we just had Strive, we wouldn't be able to afford the level that you're at now, and mm-hmm. you probably would be bored and would have been gone. Um, So I guess, again, this is just an interesting question that the audience are, they're going to be in the position of hiring people from your perspective as someone that started in position and has grown, like what, as an employee, what is the reason why you stayed? What would make you leave? Like, what should, what advice would you give someone else that is hiring?
1: That's a good question. Um, I I mean, it's the opportunities that just keep presenting themselves. And they almost happen without me actively realizing it. But it's been like three and a half years now. And I look back at what I was doing and what I'm doing now. And one, I would have literally never imagined that I'd be doing what I am now three years ago. So it just happened slowly. But it was really natural, if that makes sense. The, the chances, the opportunities, the growth. And even, you know, to go back to the whole, like, leadership conversation with swimming I was, you know, a little bit out of my comfort zone in the beginning because I realized I was just doing things and I had to learn. And, you know, we we have high standards here and we have core values. And I wanted to make sure that I was able to, you know, to fit the role and do what I had to do, even just off the bat. And I think kind of learning my way and getting to the point where I am now where I, I feel so much ownership and pride and, you know, sense of accountability in what I'm doing. Uh that's what's 100% kept me here, and I just think it keeps growing. And I mean, literally, the opportunities just keep presenting themselves, and I have no doubt that they're going to continue that way.
0: And I think that, to me, I think it's a, it's it's always say is it luck or it's skill, and it's always like it's a, probably a combination of both um, because it's it's two right. I because of what I've done, I've created more opportunity. However, at the same time, if you sucked, you wouldn't have the opportunity. Like if the opportunity is presented and you can capitalize on it, it's a two way street. And so if I did all the work and you were shit, like you wouldn't capitalize on opportunity. If you were really good and I couldn't grow more than we currently have, then you would be gone. And so it has to be both. It has to Mm -hmm. be both. So I think that that's an interesting, interesting point. So now we've progressed you, you know, 2020 happens. As we know now, we've got four different businesses. Um, We've, you become the marketing director. Of all of our companies, and then we sort of fall into you know doing uh, Google Ads and digital agency and all of this type of thing um, after a bunch of years of learning and training the hard way. So actually, this will be interesting. Talk about perseverance. Go back to when you first started, and we tried to run. Co- so it's like, what do they say? Like every good thing comes out of a bad situation. So when you started, the one of the main tasks was to figure out Google Ads for our business because we yeah. just could not. Crack the code. And, and I remember it saying to you, I don't understand. We're like literally the only ones that I know that can't figure this out. So go back to that point of where we were with Google. And then you can kind of talk through the journey of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember that so well. I remember the first time looking at the dashboard, probably with you. And I was like, holy shit, like, okay. And we have resources. Um, obviously the way that the Google ads business has developed is because we have a very specific Strategy and a very specific way of doing things, which has is directly attributed to the success that we've had in it, but it took us a while to get there. So, I just that's really just the one thing that we l- never gave up on. It was even if it sucked, and I was on calls with people like every week just trying to figure it out. We would go down and see your colleagues at other practices who could do it, and I was just consuming so much information that potentially didn't make any sense at the time. but. We were just, we were going to figure it out. And I think the biggest switch was I don't want to say it was misinformation. We were just looking at things potentially not the way that we, we do now. Right. It, so we had that big switch in realizing that maybe the metrics that are going to equal success and actually a return on the back end aren't what we're currently looking at. And that was, I mean, it took us, when, that was right before COVID.
0: I think it was, it took us about 18. We were getting about four yeah. leads, uh, uh, four leads pre COVID. And now we get at least 20 a month from Google Ads mm-hmm. just for our one business, correct?
1: Yeah, for yeah. sure.
0: And so, but that was 18 months of time, money, effort, energy spent throwing at it to kind of get the right strategy down. And then we sort of fell into it organically, where we, you know, one person asked us for help, we helped them, and then they sent somebody else, they sent somebody else, and now we're off and on our way, and created this little digital agency, so to speak. Which, like you said before, we had no idea it was going to happen, but um, but I think that's just a, a lesson on perseverance, keeping our head down even when it felt like we should probably stop and do something else. But we just sort of kept persistent with it, um, and now you basically, you know, we but you run that business. Um, pretty much solely at this point, um, yeah. with a team of interns and, and going in that direction. So let's go. Let's kind of change directions a little bit. Um, good, good info on your background, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of questions on that because um, I like diving into that, especially for our clients who you know want to potentially recreate and build what we have here. Um, right. You've had some really interesting opportunities and had spent have spent time in many businesses. We've joked many times and it's going to be a humble brag for you. You told your grandfather what you were doing, who was a Harvard MBA. And he's like, wow, Hannah, you're getting an MBA working here. And, one of the re- and the reason why is because not only do you run Google Ads, not only do you do marketing for our companies, but one of the things, again, we sort of fell into is you've become a consultant now to go in and help other healthcare businesses to mainly, you go in trying to figure marketing out, but like, it's like, I always say, it's like taking down a wall of the house, then you recognize mm-hmm. how many other things potentially need to happen. And like Lauren, in a very similar capacity with a little different skill set, outside of treating a patient now, and I think for you, literally outside of treating a patient, understanding insurance, you could do anything else in the business. And so let's start there. So you've had now experience, I think in your book of business, I calculated the other day, you manage over $15 million worth of companies, and you've consulted with businesses from zero now up to $2 million in revenue. So you go in and you work with their team and you see what their KPIs are. Mm-hmm. You do all of that stuff. So that being your background, give us some insights, give the audience, what are, what are the three things that you see or one thing or two things from a successful business owner outside of our practices that you've done consult? What are three things that the audience needs to know that if they want to be successful, if they want to grow a practice, they want to be cash-based rehab Cairo that they must do to be successful?
1: Yeah. And I think before I even give that, it's interesting to note that at this point, even if you're big and you're not doing that, because potentially there are some of the businesses that I've worked with that got really big and, you know, quote unquote successful by just putting their head down and grinding. But regardless whether they're big and have 15 people on staff or just starting, I the three things that I would probably recommend to be successful in marketing, it one really just has to be a go. Um that you know at this point if you're if you don't have any type of plan strategy and execution aren't going to get you there uh they're not going to be as important so so many business owners can get caught up in those details and how exactly should i reach out to this person what exactly should my email say and they can get stuck in that world so i think number one is just to go and don't overthink things whether you're big or you're small if you don't have a plan you just have to go number two would be um and this might be more relevant for the early business owner to start starting out is to build your list. Um, and the best way to do that off the bat is going to be by networking. And I think for for the people that are just starting off, you're almost at an advantage by being solo because if you have a bigger staff, it, it can be easy to want to push somebody else to go out and do that work and go out and physically walk into people's businesses and meet other people. And we did that a little bit. I was the person at one point that was going out and meeting people and it went okay. But through that trial and error, we can now I feel like confidently recommend that that doctor is going to be the person that's going to cultivate that most organic, best relationship. So number two would be build your list. And that way, if you're starting out, it's definitely networking. Uh, and then number three would be um, to do the things that even if you're small, to do them now, even if you think you're too small. And if I had to think of an actual tactical example, it'd be emailing. I gave this I gave this example on the Marketing Monday call just the other day. I was like, I don't care if your list is 10 people. No, They don't know that they're on a list of 10 people. They have no idea. But getting into the habit of doing those things while you're small now is going to... You're you're going to thank yourself later when you're big. I promise because I've seen that. If you don't have the, the habits and the discipline to do the little things, send the weekly email now. It's going to be so much more challenging to try to implement that into a business that already has a million moving parts. So... That's
0: probably where I would recommend. Okay, start. so you so good. So you mentioned I wrote these down that in the beginning we just gotta go. Um, the second thing is work on list building and networking and the caveat, not the caveat, but the point there that we've experimented with if possible, the business owner, the doctor should be the one to go to do that thing because it's going to have more of an impact. And then the third thing is that don't think you're too small to do, you know, to act bigger, so to speak. It's mm-hmm. funny. I was, I was futzing around on my phone because I was laughing. As you said, the first one, I was speaking to somebody this morning at, and we were talking about another business and, and I said, what's going on there? Cause I know that's kind of iffy. And he said, he, the, the business owner claims they over plan and under under execute. I think he just gets lazy sometimes. He needs a hardcore action taker, which mm. is the first thing that you said, right? They yeah. over plan and underexecute, execute. And so um, I, I really, I want to stay there a little bit because as we've learned, I think in business and in marketing, usually in sales actually too, most of the answers come after you started to do them because you get feedback. And, and so it's like, we don't know what to do. And you think about our Google ads business. How do we know what ad's best? I don't know. We test it. We have have an idea, but then we run tests to see which one wins. And so Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Like, we just have to go and and test. And we have a strategy and a plan behind it. But if we we wait three weeks to figure out what the perfect headline is, we're never going to put the ad out. I would have had my data already within that. And so I think that's a really good point. And especially in our world, because I think one of the issues – with the people that we work with, is unfortunately, and fortunately, they're very, very smart. And they've gotten by most of their life by being very, very smart. The problem is, a lot of times, that gets in the way of taking action. And in most cases, especially early on in business, put a metric on it, probably before thirty grand in revenue, you can make up for a lot by just taking massive action and just going, rather than thinking about how to do it and strategy and all of that. Um, okay. So we had just make sure we take action, build the list and do networking, and then don't think you're too small. So those are the three, three, the three tips go. What about, um, those are the three, what about from a actual either business owner or marketing perspective, you know, in your experience now, you've seen businesses just starting out, you've seen businesses that do over a million dollars. Are there any commonalities that you see in the ones that have had success or is it the same list that you just told me
1: I think yes the same list but still that number one the business owners that I've worked with who have grown the most i mean so much energy number one and everybody has energy in different ways but i feel like if you just lock them in a room and they had to you know figure out how to grow their business their brains would never stop moving. And I know people can't physically see me, but I'm like, my hands are moving. Like these people just, they just go. And everyone has that a little bit in their own way. Um, there is no pausing. And it, it's really fascinating because potentially some of the business owners that I've worked with, you, you have that in your own way, but they show it in a very, very different way. So it's what been interesting. Mean? What do you Like mean? just the way that your brain works potentially, I think you share obviously the same traits But the way that, and I'm thinking of one person in particular, the way that their brain works, it's just a million miles per minute and just idea after idea after idea and and no hesitation, almost to the point where someone might need to actually slow them down. And sometimes we've had conversations about how I can best help. And that has been me like, hey, listen, one step at a time. Like, I I appreciate that. But at that point, a business like that is going to, they need the strategy and they need the execution. And that's really where I came in to help. Whereas... I think that's what got a business to, you know, as big as that business is and, um, was just going and, and being nuts and not pausing. And that was awesome. But now to really grow, they're at that point where that's not going to get them anywhere else. It has to be planning strategy and execution a hundred percent. And that's exactly what we did. And I, luckily it, it, it worked and they're seeing the results, which I'm so happy about, but, um, that's what I mean by that. Yeah,
0: no, it's great. Uh, the the line we always use, right? It's what we'll got you here will get you stuck. And so some of the business owners, hopefully it's a good problem to have because they do take massive action, which means that they're going to grow their business quickly. But then at some point, what got them there just taking swings over and over potentially could get them stuck because they haven't built the team and the systems and the process and all that. Um, I've always found, and you kind of do similar to me where you do consulting, I would always prefer to work with somebody who I have to pull more than I have to push it's very hard. It's exhausting to have to push people to take action. It's much easier to be able to pull the reins back and maybe move them in a different direction. Uh, But if someone's got the energy and got it, I'm okay to sort of move them around and do that. And it's actually, it's a similar thing, which again, I brought Ashton up on two of the podcasts, but with him, generally speaking, he has the energy and he'll go and do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we could just have conversations about maybe the strategy behind it. But what I appreciate about him is that he's willing always at this point to just go and go and go. And it's not, I don't have to like pull him along, right? He right. wants to go. I might just have to direct him in a, in a way. And that's 10 out of 10 times. I'd much rather have that. Have you found similar?
1: Yeah. A hundred. I was just th- sitting here thinking a hundred percent, um, especially with even just Google ads. There are the same quality, just the people that are willing to put their head down, go and not overthink, are are willing to stick around for the process because so Google Ads is quite a process. There's a ton of testing. That's why we say the initial uh, onboarding process takes around three months. We have to set everything up and then we need to test. And um, I found that the people who have that that quality and are okay just to put their heads down and go and figure it out, they're okay to stick around and. Really, the longer you do Google Ads, it just gets better. I'll, you know, the accounts that I've had the longest, I, I do truly believe have the best results at this point. Um, and I, I find the people that maybe don't have so much of that, that maybe are a little bit more reserved, and I would have to pull. That's a lot harder. It's a lot harder right. in the beginning.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. We're gonna create a, a scenario here. You're supposed to say uh-huh. cool. no. You're supposed oh, to say, uh-huh.
1: great. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. All right. So, Hannah we have a brand new grad Cairo. Let's pick a city, Austin, Texas. They just moved to Austin, Texas. They just graduated. We're sending Hannah down to Austin for the next six months. Then you are going to be the person that's going to help this person do, you're going to do everything for this business other than treat the patient.
1: Where do you start? Okay. Where do I start? Well, if they have any numbers, number one, we've got to make sure that we're keeping track of numbers. We, have, we just we haven't we started. Just started. Yet. We're launching. Okay, so then number one, we have to have some sort of system to track. I think that would be. What,
0: what do you mean? What does that mean? Track as what? As
1: simple as a spreadsheet. We've got to track leads. We've got to track where they're coming from, what they're saying, where they're stopping in the process, everything. So we we obviously have our lead spreadsheet that has you know the basic information. Why the though? Source.
0: What's important um, about it?
1: What's important about it is that we need to get some data to be able to set goals and then plan for the future, number okay. one. And even if that plan is, like we said, the theme is just going. If we aren't keeping track of things, especially leads, that t- those types of numbers and marketing, we're not going to be able to really effectively plan for growth later. And that's something that I have seen with people that aren't keeping track. It's hard to make decisions if you're not you're not starting off with some sort of system to make sure you know exactly how many people are coming in each month, where they're coming from, where they're getting stuck in the process. So I would do that first.
0: Okay, so just to give it some context there. So what you're saying is we go to Austin, we're opening up and we start to network and make connections and potentially get patients from it. What we want to be able to do from the get-go is we want to be able to look at who is actually coming in, what, where they're being referred from, what type of patients they are, Who's willing to spend money with us? Who's our perfect patient? Mm -hmm. And if we just go based on what we think or we feel, we're probably going to come up with a bad, a bad solution to a problem that might not even exist. And so, Hannah, what you're saying is that if we can go back after month one and we made ten connections and got two new patients from it, it would be nice to go back and say we made ten connections and both of the patients came from the CrossFit gym down the street. Okay, where do we go for marketing in month two? Well. Are there other CrossFit gyms? Because it seems like we are. We work with that population. It doesn't mean we throw the rest out the window, but at least we have a direction now to move in based on even the little bit of data that we have. And then we go back month two and the next month we get another patient and this one's from a golf. Okay, so now there's a potential opportunity there. But I think what I talk to so many people about is they're like, I want to work hard. I want to put in the time. I'm willing to work hard, but I just kind of don't know where to start. And so when you start to track and know, give yourself some data, then it gives you a GPS on potentially what to pursue and create the niche or whatever that conversation is. And so the first step is tracking. Okay, what's next? What else would you do?
1: I think aside from tracking and obviously going out, making the connections and just doing the things that you have to do to grow, which like we've said is networking, all that type of good stuff. Um, Eventually, what we want to do is set little goals so that there is growth potentially i would look at someone maybe the last two months we brought in five leads and maybe their conversion rates are awesome because they're really highly qualified referrals okay yep. so then what's what's potentially the next goal we're going to look at is it 15 leads so we now have the numbers of where we are because we tracked and we yep. did we just took action because that's step 1 and now we're setting a small goal for growth so that would be step 2 i'd say okay well now we have this goal and to jump the gun and go into step three we know it's okay well what's the gap between five and 15 it's 10 leads where can yeah. we find 10 leads and that would be where we can look at what we've done and which connections have we established that you know have been great great leads great patients um how, what do we have resource wise is it just you know our our one doc which most likely it is so are there different things that we can add and we're not getting it's nothing crazy yet like we're not We're not totally going like wild strategy here, but it's just the simple things. And back to my other point about doing these little things while you're small and potentially when you only are having five, 10 leads come in, if you get into the habit of this now, it's just going to be easier when you do have 30, 50 leads coming in.
0: So the point here that i Want to make sure that we're aware of, and it's interesting hearing you speak because you have a little bit of the curse of an expert, and that it just makes sense to you that we should go get leads, because the Cairo is listening to this. They're like, "What the heck's a lead? I just need new patients, <laughs>
1: yeah, right."
0: Sure. But you're speaking from a marketing perspective, and this is the proper way to think, right? Because the only way to get new patients, more new patients, is to get more leads, and so we call this top of funnel, right? Mm-hmm. So, Hannah, what you're saying, which is a thousand percent correct, because it goes back to being being your number one thing is just go. Because what we want to say early on is we just need to take massive action. Well, how are we going to overtake massive action? Maybe not by the amount of patients we're getting because that involves a sales process and strategy to get them at our prices are right. But what we're saying is the metric of success could just be getting more top of funnel. So if we mm-hmm. got five leads because we went to meet Sally at the CrossFit gym and we had a BNI meeting and we did this, well, we want to triple that. And so if we just take, do triple the activity, there's a chance we get triple the results. Now, again, at any level, it does, it's not hard to understand if you had five of something and it got you, if you had five leads and it got you two patients at the, at the bottom of this funnel, if you had 15 leads, there's a chance that you could get four patients or five patients. So almost inevitably, if you increase the volume on the top end, you're going to get more at the bottom end but i think it is important for the audience to notice how a marketer thinks about these things it isn't about increasing the volume of new patients that's the outcome we want but what's the first step which is exactly what you just said can we just increase the lead volume at the first step so that we have more of a chance to get patients at the back end
1: yeah and i think the way you put it it's exactly right potentially in the beginning it's not outcome based it's not that we need 15 or 20 leads it's that well, if we spent you know two hours networking and that got us to where we are, can we spend four hours? Can we spend eight hours? And we can reasonably expect that that will get us to the point. And that's, that's what could come before we are really outcome-based and nope, all right, now we need 30 leads a month. What's the gap?
0: I think it's, yeah, we see this all the time, right? You see this all the time, it, almost without fail. If someone isn't getting the results that they want, the first thing we check is how much time are they dedicating to it? And I don't can't think of one time that it's happened. Like, oh, we're not getting any past patients to reactivate, and it's like, well, how much time a week are you spending? Well, I just do it when I have time. Well, of course not. But if you dedicate an hour a week to it, now let's go and check the outcome. Well, I haven't had any referrals. Well, how much time are we spending to build the referral relationships? Well, I, well, I'm busy. Okay, okay, but like you're not spending the time to do it, and so again, this is just a, a golden nugget for you guys in the audience. If you're struggling with something, the first thing to go back and look is how much time are we actually dedicating to doing it. We see that in our own practice too. like we have a it's a relatively complicated entity. there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of people involved and almost without fail, when we focus on one thing, we get a result with one thing. If we don't have a specific outcome, guess what we don't get results with that thing. And so to your point before about growing, whatever problems you have when you're small, they're just going to compound and you get bigger. They don't go away.
1: Yeah, right. So definitely. that was,
0: that was two. Is there a third one or the, I mean, the first two were were pretty damn good.
1: I, I kind of touched on it. I would have said, you know, if we are setting, even if the, the metric is hours spent doing something, or if it is total leads, just recognizing what that gap is and what we have to do to close the gap. And something that I've talked about on the mastermind calls and we've talked about it strive and really everywhere is just, if we can't do this on paper, it's not going to work in person. So making sure that potentially we have a conversation. Okay. If you're already put, let's say you're already putting five hours in and we want a triple action. That means 15 hours a week. The conversation will be, well, can we reasonably do this? It could be yes, but it also could very much be like, no, I literally can't do this. Okay. Well then we can't rely on that to get the results we want. So what are other options?
0: Yeah. No, it's brilliant. Brilliant. Um, all right, let's go change gears one more time. Um, obviously, you have clients that do Google and CRM and all that. And, you know, I know you get some frequently asked questions. I guess we'll just start with when a new business owner that's getting started, um, or an established business owner, when do you recommend that they implement a Google ad strategy? And I will again, just give a lesson on this. Um, I think if we've learned anything about being in any business, doing proper sales is also telling someone when it won't be the right time and right fit. Uh, because what we've found is if we bring someone on to do something like Google and they don't have the things that you're about to talk about, you're not going to get the outcome. And then you're going to be pissed because you spent a lot of money, didn't get the results. And so we are, when we truly tell you, like we'll tell you if you're ready, we mean it because to be honest with you, it's more of a headache on our end if you're not. So when would a business owner be ready to implement a Google ad strategy?
1: Yeah, that's so true. And we've seen it now. So at this point where I'm able to talk to somebody and ask certain questions and almost be like, Hey, listen, I know this is what you want, but like, I'm going to be totally honest. And I'll tell you stories of people that didn't, didn't do this. And you're not going to get the results you want right now. So number one, would be to have a, a CRM up and running with backend systems and for the audience. Hold
0: on, let's just yeah, go to Google. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that second, but
1: just go okay. into Google. Yeah. All right. So that's number one. We need to have our CRM. We've got to have some systems. Number two would be ideally to have an admin um, because you're going to get more calls. You want to have someone that can dedicate the time to the phone um, for these types of leads.
0: So let's again, break this down because we have so we have a lot of solo docs that want to increase marketing and they want to run Google ads because they think, wow, this is great. I don't have to go out and do marketing in person because I don't have the time anymore. But it sounds like what you're saying is not so fast, like, because I'm going to make a mess for you because your phone's going to start to ring. You're gonna have to follow up with people. And you just told me you don't have time already. So if you don't have another human to go and do this, it won't be worth it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would, that's number two typically. Um, and then the last part is based off of ad spend, based off of, you know, what you have to do to get results. I'll typically say that you should be doing 15000 a month in revenue minimum. Minimum. Yes. Minimum. Before you invest in Google Ads to make it worth it.
0: So I, I think two reasons for that. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. The first one is we have to have enough budget in google ads in order to spend in order to see if it'll work like people that are spending and we didn't know either right we've had clients and it's not it's not funny it's not good or bad they'll spend five dollars a day well why are you spending five dollars a day because i don't have the budget and it's like they run out in like one click or two clicks or yeah. three clicks and at that point you're wasting more time money and effort and energy to do it that way than the proper way and so when we we always come at it very honestly like if you don't have the budget for it then it's going to be more of a waste of your time and money to try and run it. And if you're not doing minimum 15 to 20 anyway, you just probably need to go back to step one of Hannah's list and just go and hustle more to build the revenue to that level so that you can implement that digital marketing strategy. And just for the audience, as we look at it all in to hire us plus run Google ads, it'll probably be all in roughly minimum two grand a month. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we say, we say, um, We say 10% roughly, again, very rough estimates, things matter. 10% of your revenue should be marketing budget. And so again, just the math, right? If you're making 20 and you're spending two on Google ads, then you're in the ballpark here. Now, 15, again, businesses that want to grow, they spend as if they were going to grow, which is what we did, but not everyone Mm -hmm. does that. That's why we say minimum 15, but if the the more it is, the more you are doing it, um, the better off it is. The other thing that I'll say, which is interesting in this, in our Google ads business, we do run it we have majority of cash-based practices, but we do have probably 30% of in-network insurance practices. And your job is way easier. Like we actually like those clients better because we can, we can do Google, we can run Google to more things for insurance and all of that. And so people that do have insurance-based practices, we've actually found it a little bit easier to help you than, than otherwise. All right. So let's go back. The first thing you said was CRM, yeah, go into your spiel because most people don't know what that is. Why is it important and why do people need that before they can run an ad?
1: Yeah, and, and CRM, I mean, those are the three things. I mean, especially the CRM and the admin are what you want to be very successful in Google Ads. CRM is, I think, the number one that you you really can't do it without and do it properly without because CRM is going to be your best employee that you have. It's going to do everything for you. It's going to take so much time off of your hands it's going to automate the process that your leads are going through, and it's going to make sure that this this new influx of cold digital leads that are coming into your pipeline are getting nurtured at every step of the process. And you're, you're going; these are going to be different leads than you've ever experienced. A Google lead is is a much different ball game than a why because they 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 don't know you potentially. We'll, we'll say this with you know when I talk to Lauren. There's always a couple different types of Google leads. There's the person that when we ask, how did they find us? They say, oh, I Googled you. And we'll say, well, what, what made you call? And they'll say, I I actually, I read your reviews and oh my gosh, I was so impressed. That's a little bit different. They're still cold. They, they weren't referred. No one told them that they have to come see us because we're literally the greatest thing in the world. But potentially we're like, okay, well at least, you know, they saw some social proof. Whereas there's always the people that are like, I googled Cairo near me and you are the closest to my house. Now we're like, okay, well they literally have no there's there's nothing that has now separated us from the guy down the street like we've got a job to do. So you need that system and you know the things in place to make sure that you're ready to take on that kind of lead and give yourself a chance cuz if you're bringing in leads like that and you have no systems, you have no admin, you have nothing ready to go to help nurture these people, it's it's not going to work. It's going to be unbelievably challenging.
0: See if you can do this in a way that actually makes sense because it's going to be hard to explain yeah. this. Um, like because people, if you think about it, that don't know the back end of this, it's like sp- explaining it to like a second grader, and it's not an insult, it's just we don't know it. But let's just walk someone through the process a little bit, right? To like, okay, so I'm online, I'm looking for a chiropractor, I see Strive to Moves ad, I click on the ad, it then takes me to what we call landing page okay so take it from there and why a crm matters at that point um that someone be like oh because right now i think it's one of those things where crm not i think i know every single one of us as consumers has experienced crm and in our inbox and our email and Mm -hmm. and all of this we've seen it but how does it actually work from your perspective if you were explaining it to a a cairo that's out there that has no clue what you're talking about
1: yeah, absolutely. So if you submit a lead form on our on our landing page from So Google. let's go back.
0: So they click they click on an ad. An yes. ad brings them to a, another website. It looks like a website. And there's a box there that says fill out your information to make an appointment or whatever. Yeah. So they put their name, email, phone number, they click, they click the button. What happens next? The on the back end.
1: So the next thing that they're going to see in our system is another page and it says Congrats! You have one more step to securing your first free session, which is that DV. And we that encourage ne- them.
0: That next step is the CRM working, because again, like uh, it's funny, we all have gone through this, but it's just part of our like whatever. That just pay that second page just appears out of thin air when we're getting on Amazon, and it doesn't. It needs to be built out. It needs to be housed somewhere. It needs to have like a sequence, and someone minion in the back has to be doing it.
1: Yeah, exactly, and. And from there, a couple different things happen. So that page is important because there's a calendar on it and we we encourage someone to potentially book a specific time to speak with Lauren or Sophia, our sales team. Now, if the Google lead decides not to book their call because many of them do, the CRM is going to work its magic and be like, hey, this person did not book their call. They're going to get a very specific set of emails for people that don't book calls and we are going to encourage them to book calls and encourage them to get in touch with us. So that's one thing. Now, if the person does do what they're supposed to and pick a time on our calendar and actually book their call, they're going to get a different set of emails. So the CRM is just working in the back, basically sitting there waiting for someone to make a decision or not make a decision and send them into the right funnel, into the right sequence to make sure that they're always absolutely getting the right thing that they need. And it's even to a point where I have it timed out. You've got 15 minutes to book your call before you get your first email that's like, Hey, so and so, congrats on filling out your form. The next step is to book a call. Like, do it right here. So, yeah. if within fifteen minutes they didn't book their call, they're getting that email without fail, and that could literally be happening at three a.m. in the morning because it just happens automatically. It's not happening because I went in and sent the email. That's the right. biggest part,
0: right? And so, you know, we are uh, we're sort of in the the throes of building this out so that the audience and just to kind of give a preview, we are building this out to to allow. Well, all the things that you just talked about that we run in our own practices, um, we are eventually going to have a program for the audience to be able to utilize in their practice as well. We're literally mm-hmm. in the throes of that right now. So if it sounds complicated, the good news for the audience out there is you won't have to do it yourself because we've yes. done all the bullshit behind the scenes to make it work. Um, and we're, we're currently in that process. But, you know, I always look at Like the more efficient a business is that you shouldn't know how complicated it is, but you start getting into the back end of some of these things that can help your business grow. And so, you know, I think that something like this automated system, the CRM system, even if you're solo, right, it can act as your best employee. Because even from something so simple as a welcome sequence, so like something like if if someone books an appointment with us, talk to, talk to the audience about what happens in the CRM to ensure that they show up uh, when they're supposed to, that they have an intro to the clinic, that they have more information, that all of these things happen to give us a better chance. I heard this the other day, Hannah, you'll find this interesting. They said 20% of the sales happens in person, 80% happens everywhere else and CRM is the 80%. Yeah. And so when we sell something for a package, three, $5,000, right? It's like, well, what did you say? It's like, well, maybe that's actually the 20%. 80% was all the other things that happened that allowed us to do it. So give, give someone an example in our world, what happens if said, Justin books an appointment with Strive for next Tuesday.
1: Yeah, so if you book your discovery visit, let's say that's the first step that you're going into, you're going to get a couple different emails. The first email you're going to get Um, actually not to overcomplicate things. It's interesting. You're going to get an email, most likely from the person that you spoke with. And it's actually going to look unbelievably customized because of the magic that the CRM can go into. And I'm not going to confuse people by going into that, but it's going to literally say, we spoke about your back pain that you have at your specific gym. And your specific goal is to, you know, get back to whatever the heck you want to do. So it's a very customized email. Step number one, and that's all automated. The next thing is going to be a welcome from the business owner um, to give them a little bit more background, just make them feel like they're a part of the family. Where uh, I, to be ta- to be totally honest, we are talking about adding more to it. Um, they will get something obviously before the appointment, twenty four hours, an hour before. Uh, that's all automated as well, and then at that discovery visit, and this is where I think it's also relevant is whether they move on to the next step or they stop there, there's going to be two different sets of emails. Absolutely. Like, not even just emails, everything. Emails, reminders to call, automated text messages, literally everything. And when we come up with these systems, sometimes I work with the sales team and I'll, I'll joke like, the sky's the limit. Just imagine in an absolute perfect world, what do you want to happen here? And we'll just make it happen. And it just happens automatically and it's beautiful. So,
0: And you know, the businesses that are willing to do it longer and and spend more time on it are the ones that wins and we had a few weeks ago a patient that said no seven months ago but we have a a sequence built out that this lady was getting emails i don't know weekly a couple times a week every day um and eventually she responded to an email and then she was ready and she spent four grand with us and so Mm -hmm. extrapolate that over the course of your business out there uh over the course of the next 5 10 15 20 years done correctly with this sort of automation, with this follow-up, with this nurture, the question isn't how much does it cost. The question is how much money are you losing if you're not doing it? And you know, as I look in more of the business coaching side, and I, you think about it the same way, I'm just obsessed over figuring out how to continually help our clients and customers to grow their business. And we keep coming back to doing CRM except we know that it would take them four or five years to go and build it themselves, which is why we're just going to put it on our backs and do it and then eventually have it have that for everybody else. So um, just as a preview for everyone uh, that you'll have way more information in the future about that but I think it's just a good lesson for everyone to understand the power of the technology so that we can um, you know continually grow and scale our businesses as we see fit. All right. So before we wrap up, Hannah, any, uh, final closing thoughts or, um, you know, you tell me.
1: Actually, yes. Because when you were saying that I was thinking the one thing that we didn't really touch on is just the whole idea of consistency and how important that is in anything you're doing in marketing. Cause a lot of what you do, especially in the beginning in marketing could be sending weekly emails. We call them our broadcast emails. It could be reaching out to people is it's not going to be instantly gratifying. So if you're not consistent with it, it's, it's never going to work. And that whole story about the patient who came into our world, actually, I think it was years ago, maybe a couple of years ago, she came or I don't remember, whatever, but she came in and said no, or didn't come in. for. There was something where she went one part of the process she stopped in. Right. And I, I tell people that sending the weekly email, like it's worth it. I promise. And sometimes I feel like I'm just almost like, just do it, just do it. The consistency, it works. And that was like, the perfect example of what that does, the power of it, that potentially months, years in the making of her getting content from us, one finally resonated enough that she responded to and she came in. And if I wasn't consistent with weekly emails and we didn't have the systems built out in our CRM system to make sure she was always getting content from us and always being nurtured, we would 100% not have gotten that patient. Um, and consistency just works in every every aspect of marketing and growing your marketing systems and growing that that part of your business for sure
0: love it love it excellent so i think for me what the best thing i can say about you hannah is some of my friends that have high six figure, seven figure businesses often come to me and just ask if their employees can spend time around you just to learn from how you do things um and so i think it's unbelievable to see where you were and where you are now. You always had the tools, but I think it's like, you know, potential is what it is. You had potential, but you've capitalized on it. Um, you know, you go in and speak to multimillion dollar business owners and they listen to you because you know your <laughs> stuff, which is incredible. And I think you should be proud of, of everything that you've done and accomplished and similar, very similar to Lauren. And it's true. Like we are not here if not for what you've done and accomplished, there's no shot there's no chance. And um, same thing I said with Lauren is the same thing I'll say with you. If people want to grow their business, go find Hannah. Just don't take her, like find someone. (laughs) So I appreciate everything that you've done. Um, uh, It's so exciting to watch you grow and exciting to see, uh, to think about the potential in the future. And it's a pleasure to be able to work with you every single day. Um, For our mastermind and non-mastermind members out there, Part of our mastermind program, Mondays 12 to 1, you act mm-hmm. as their marketing director. So 12 to 1 every single Monday. If you're part of our program, you have access to Hannah and all of the things plus a whole lot more. And so if you're not a part of the program, you know, it's worth its weight in gold to have Hannah on your team. Um, so that would be my, my pitch to everybody out there. Hannah, I appreciate you and you did amazing. Um, and we'll see who gets more views and downloads and, um, Depending on who wins, maybe there's a prize at the end.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity for sure.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, the Rehab Chiropractors Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strivetomove.com. And four, leave us a five-star review.